Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with a wrestler extraordinaire, my friend, and mostly holy Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Yo, Father Len. Yo, Irish. Mostly holy. I, I don't know. That's a high compliment. I, <laughs> I wouldn't even put myself in that position. Well, I've been around you quite a bit. I guess I might be comparing you to myself, and I wouldn't put myself anywhere near that category. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm truly excited about this episode today, Father Len. We're going to grapple with the real Christmas story and the true meaning of Christmas. And coming from a lifelong Catholic Christian like myself, I'm pretty sure much of what listeners are going to hear, they haven't heard before. I think they'll find it truly enlightening and inspiring. And speaking of inspiring, before we get started, I'd like to share some news about the growth of our podcast and say thanks to our listeners. From our humble beginnings here in Boise, Idaho, the Wrestling with God show now has listeners in 45 states and 27 countries. The podcast has been downloaded thousands of times, and uh, for me, that's truly amazing. I didn't have those kind of expectations uh, when we started. And especially given that the only promotion of what we're doing has been a mention in our weekly Holy Apostles Parish Bulletin and email newsletter. So I have to say, uh, we're truly grateful for those who have shared our podcast with friends and family. Uh, There's no way we'd have listeners all over the country and around the world without them. So thanks. You've really inspired us to keep going and do more. So enough about the podcast, Father Lynn. Let's get to grappling with the real Christmas story and the true meaning of Christmas. Okay. So um, just taking a step back, there's a skier named Speedy from Idaho. (laughs) Okay. He died, but he had a great Was he in the original Christmas story? (laughs) No, no. He was just an Olympic skier. Oh, good. And he was an amazing skier, but he would do these great aerials upside down and spins. And he said, you know, when I look at the world upside down, that's when it seems right to me. And I just liked what he said, because the truth is a truth, even if you're upside down, reality is reality. So I like kind of viewing theology, truth uh, from a different perspective, upside down. And so when you say, well, that's this is an odd explanation of the Christmas story because I like to take it from a different angle. But first, I just want to explain a theological word in case I use it. Uh, and the word is incarnation. It's just a 25-cent word that means God became human. Okay, and good. There's a story where one day, one Christmas – this one guy decides he doesn't want to go to Christmas mass. He doesn't get what Christmas is about this, all this other stuff. So his family goes and he stays home and he has kind of this mini farm. And along the way, this terrible storm breaks out on Christmas day. And there's these geese that get caught in the storm. And he starts to worry about the geese because they're out in the cold and the storm. And he has this huge warm barn. So he says, you know, I'm just going to herd the geese into the barn where they'll be safe. And 
he tries to go out. And of course, the closer he gets to the geese, the more they just keep distancing himself. So keeps trying. And then he gives up and he's walking back home and he says, oh, that's what the Christmas story is about. Humanity was lost. We're like the geese. And to bring us home, that's a Christmas story. If he could have turned himself into a goose and then in goose language say, hey, here, I know the place of safety and warmth. Follow me. But because he was so much other, he just scared the geese. Does that make sense? It makes sense, although I'm not a fan of geese, but I don't want to sidetrack you. Well, I'm more of St. Francis lover of all things, but... um, (laughs) I get the story. And I think I know where you're going with it. Okay, so the Christmas story really is about God becoming a human being to make us true human beings. And in the Bible, the highest form of a human being, what we're originally meant to be, was a human being that lived in relationship with others and God and creation and lived in self-sacrificing love. And what sin did was make us lose our way of being true human beings. So Christ comes, God takes on human flesh to show us the way. And St. Paul says this really great line where he says, The one who was in the form of God didn't think being God was anything to be clung to. So he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, becoming in all things like us but sin. And he's speaking about Christmas. That Christmas celebrates that God chose to become a human being to teach us how to become true human beings. So think about it. It's a great compliment to what it means to be a true human being. That God has chosen to be like us rather than remain distant. And that's what Christmas is about. It's not a revelation of who God is. It's a revelation of who we were meant to be. And in the book of Genesis, in the Bible, it talks about the creation of the universe. And it says that on the afternoon of the sixth day, God creates humanity. So fairly late, God creates humanity. And in describing how God creates humanity, the pattern of creation is broken. Because before that, in all the other five days, the pattern has been God said it, let it be their X, and X came to be. And God said it was good. But on the creation of humanity, God is depicted as pausing to think and deliberate about it and says, Let us make human beings in our own image and likeness. For the first time, God does not just say, let it happen, and it happens. God pauses to take a blueprint. Let us make human beings in our image. And, you know, that's kind of interesting because in the book of Exodus, which is in the Bible, it makes a really big deal about not making images of God. And God breaks that right in the very beginning of the Bible. So for the Hebrews, they not only thought it was impossible to make an image of God, but also redundant to make an image of God because God had already made the image of God and we were supposed to be it. Humanity was supposed to reflect the image of God. So in the next chapter of Genesis, in the Adam and Eve story, 
It's a story of the first humans in the Garden of Eden. So they're in paradise, but the devil comes and tempts them to eat, not from the tree of life, but the tree of the knowledge of good and selfishness. That it's not good enough just to be a human being. You need to become powerful and different. The temptation cannot be seen as, well, can be seen not just as pride or disobedient, but it can be seen as the most important line, which is, eat this and be like God. The temptation is to reject what we heard in chapter one, that we were created to be the image of God. The devil's temptation is to reject believing that we are good. You know, he's saying, don't believe you're like God. God is great and glorious and powerful and majestic and wise, and you're nothing. The temptation is that we have to get out of being human beings in order to be the image of God. It's a rejection of Genesis 1. So the Hebrews' notion of the original sin was the rejection of the goodness of being a human being. We must become something more than human in order to become good. That's what the devil is trying to convince us. It's this refusal to accept the goodness and rightness of being a human being. The refusal to accept the goodness of creation. So let me put it this way. The original sin of rejecting is rejecting the first judgment of God, that God looked at creation and saw that it was good. The devil is saying, no, it's not. Part of this creation is trash. To accept the temptation is what leads to the rest of the evil. The beginning of sin is to despair of the goodness of creation or of our humanity. So what St. Paul is talking about in that hymn is that God didn't think to be good, we had to become something other than human beings. To be good is to become a true human being. So God empties himself of the God status and becomes a true human being so that we can return to our original goodness of what it means to be a human being. So kind of humorously, St. Paul says, from all eternity, God's great desire is to become exactly like me, which I just got to say, clearly God has great taste. But actually, that's wrong. From all eternity, God wants us to discover our true humanity. Our true humanity would be to live like Christ. The, the Christmas story is really the highest compliment to being a human being. It's a rejection of the original sin that we're not created good. The Christmas story is about our humanity being united to the glory of God. And there's this very distinguished theologian who wrote, and listen to this line. He, this is his definition of Christianity. Christianity is the attitude of amazement at the dignity of the human person. He didn't say Christianity is about the love of God. He didn't say Christianity is about following all these rules from God. But he said the attitude of amazement at the dignity of a human being. Now, that's really odd. He does, doesn't mention any theological language there. And you can say, well, you can pull out any crazy theologian you want. But it was John Paul II 
who said that in his first encyclical, in his first letter to the church. And he was trying to recapture that idea that Christianity, the goal of Christianity, is to return us to the original blessing of being truly human. Or as St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. I don't think I've ever heard it explained that way, Father Lynn. Oh, where I, know, I love it. Yeah. I mean, understanding what is meant by being created in the image and likeness of God—that we didn't really understand how good we are and why God created us—and he he then has to send his son to take on human flesh and show us the way to demonstrate what it means to be a human being, what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God and what it means how to live your life and how to be like God and that we are created like that. That's an amazing, I mean, I love that perspective. I'd never heard that before stated that way, Father Len. Yeah, so the opposite that is sin. Sin is really this temptation to actually stop being a true human being. So, when the devil says to Adam and Eve, eat this and you will become like God, I don't think it was just a temptation to be disobedient for the sake of being disobedient. That trivializes the story. It's a temptation to despair of human goodness. The serpent is saying that we have to be made valuable. The first temptation is despair. And I think it's amazing insight into the whole story of Genesis. Evil enters the world through the evil of despair. And most of us think of uh, the story of Milton's Paradise Loss, where it pictures the devil's main sin as tempting us into pride. Now, that's valuable, it's interesting, but I prefer Faust. And Faust is this very famous story written by this very famous German writer, Goethe. And in, he, in that story, the devil appears to this guy named Faust and makes a bargain to sell his soul. And Faust, he doesn't know it's the devil. So he says, who are you? And the devil says, my name is Melistophanes. I am the spirit of one who says no. All things come to an end. Better that they never existed. That's a great line. Evil is the no to human goodness. Evil says, no, there's no reason to hope. Any value to temporary existence? No. Any point to going on to tomorrow? No. Is there anything valuable to life? No. Well, is there any reason to exist at all? No. Evil is the no to all that is good. Nothing lasts forever, so therefore it's trash. If you're not eternal like God, then you're trash. If you're not everything, you're nothing. So that's an interesting point of evil. God says, let there be. And the devil says, no, let there be no goodness to be. So Goethe, he believes evil is not a monster of pride, but a monster of despair. Satan is not the one who tries to convince us that Satan is everything. He tries to convince us that he's nothing. Evil tries to convince us that we're trash. Satan is not one who hates God. Satan is one who believes that God can't love him or us. That's what evil is. Evil wants us to believe that we too 
are worthless. So Goethe believes that this is the real heart of darkness, to believe that you are trash. And this brings us back to the incarnation, the Christmas story. The rest of the Old Testament after Genesis in the Bible is trying to teach us what is good and what is not good. And we have the whole thing mixed up. The story of the Old Testament is humanity being lost from its own humanity. The Genesis story is about us being separated from God. And then in the Cain and Abel story, we're separated from each other. Then in the Tower of Babel story, we live in these separated communities. And the sin of the rest of the Old Testament is human beings trying to gain goodness in all the wrong ways. Power, fake religion, greed. It tells a story kind of of our mad dash to become godlike ends up with us even being more separated from God and each other and deprived of this goodness of being true human being. So the good news of Christmas is that God became one of us to show us how to become true human beings. The incarnation, Christmas happened so that we can discover the goodness of being true human being. And oddly, God's secret ambition was to become human. God thinks human being human is such great goodness that God is in this mad dash to become one of us. And we're in this mad dash away from our own true humanity. We're trying to become something big like God when really we're supposed to be becoming true human being. So God takes on human flesh to reaffirm the first judgment, the first line in the Bible that God has looked upon us and said, we are good. Salvation is not the story of God rescuing us from an evil universe. Salvation is a story of God coming as one like us to teach us what true goodness looks like. So God takes on human flesh. Absolute love comes to teach us goodness. And oddly enough, we end up killing him. Uh, but even absolute love will embrace death. Absolute love cannot be contained by the tomb. Now, that's the story of the resurrection, and we'll have probably a podcast on that when it comes to Easter. We might want to do it a little sooner. You've left us with some pretty tantalizing stuff to grapple with, like absolute love will embrace death, and absolute love cannot be contained by the tomb. Yeah, I don't know whether we want to wait a long time on that. Anyway, so do you have an appropriate ending for your upside-down perspective on the Christmas story? I guess I was going to end with this. Like, you hear this all the time. And you see it on, I saw it on a coffee cup this morning, where somebody wrote, or the sign says, Jesus is the reason for the season. And, like, I don't want to get in an argument because it will take me too long to explain, but <laughs> Jesus is the reason for the season is actually not correct. The Christmas story is, we're the reason for the season. Uh, God didn't need to discover his own goodness. We did. Yep. So we're the reason for the season. God did this so that we can discover the return back to our original blessing. Well, it's discovering why God created us and what he created. I mean, it's uh, that's what's so powerful about your perspective on this and this story to me. It really does change everything about, you know, my thought about Christmas and why uh, God 
became man, be, you know, why Jesus came here in human flesh. And I mean, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's I, really. I also think Goethe has a really interesting insight that what is sin? Sin is anything that deprives us of our full humanity. Um, yep. And, that's a great definition of sin. And Christmas is starting the journey to our true humanity, to love, to be connected. So, I like that rather than saying sin is just God getting mad at us. No, I, t I totally agree. Well, Father Len, I, I think you delivered on uh, my expectations completely. I really appreciate it. I suspect our listeners will too. We welcome your comments, by the way, on the Christmas story. And, uh, you know, anything else that we do, comments and questions, uh, we love them. It's easy for you to get those to us. You just head over to our website. It's www.show.com. That's www.show.com. And you click on the questions button. And if you're enjoying the Wrestling With God show, and obviously many of you are, and we hope all of you are at some point, please continue to share your favorite episodes with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it really does help the word spread about our podcast. And we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, and purpose in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Okay.